ball episode 67 the we know ball podcast my name is ryan welcome into the show we got a great just fantastic episode for you guys today absolutely electric incendiary explode you know what are those all those words those football football analysts use right when they describe a guy running down the field anyways i i i'm already just Un- unhinged 10 seconds into the show we got a good one for you guys today october 16th 2023 week seven of college football it's done week six of the nfl minus one game it's done so much football to talk about baseball to talk about hockey starting up basketball's a few weeks away starting to get into that real hot and heavy Halloween on the horizon. Before we even get into sports, I'll drop a hot take on you right now. Halloween, top three holiday on the entire calendar. I hey, I listen, listen. I I just dropped it right there. Halloween's a top three holiday on the entire. 365 day calendar. I think you gotta go. I think you gotta go Christmas and Thanksgiving one, two. Actually, I think you gotta go Thanksgiving one. Thanksgiving is a is a pretty strong one for me. I also like New Year's. I'm a big Fourth of July guy. You know, some of us don't celebrate Christmas, and that's more than okay. I think, um, how about this? I'll put it this way. Top top, top three holidays on the calendar. I think Thanksgiving stays at a firm number one. I think, let's just say, like, the December 25th to January 1st time window. I would consider that in itself a holiday. Whether you celebrate Christmas or something else, that week of days, that's probably number two holiday on the calendar. And I'm going to drop Halloween at number three. And I don't even know if it's the holiday specifically. I think it's more about what the holiday of Halloween represents, right? You got October 31st. You're at the end of October. It is the transition from fall. You're Actually, I'll put it this way. You're right smack in the middle of fall. The leaves are a different color. You got football. You got the end of the baseball season. You got basketball. You got hockey. You know that the next holiday up is Thanksgiving. Also, candy is flying left and right. It's a good opportunity for the kids to get out. You know, parents to get a couple social sparklers going. It's a great holiday. Halloween, if you keep it lighthearted, you keep it in good spirits. It's a great holiday. Right? Don't give me the don't give me the haunted house, you know, guy runs up in my face with a chainsaw. Oh, it's scary. But it's like, come on, brother. You know, we're trying to hang out. We're trying to have a good time. Get a little monster mash going on the uh on the sound bar have some people over crazy 
top three for me. Top three. That's that's maybe a hot take for some, but I think it, I think many people would agree. It just kind of depends on the type of person you are, right? If you're also a warm weather person, you're not going to like the fall and and winter holidays. Uh, you know, if you're a warm weather person, you're going to like Fourth of July. You're going to like Memorial Day, right? You're going to like these other ones because it's it's the opposite of what these fall holidays represent, where it's those holidays of Fourth of July or Memorial Day. Those are signifying, you know, hot weather or the transition into hot, nice weather, springtime, summertime. Not for me, brother. I give me Thanksgiving one, end of December two, Halloween three. Speaking of Halloween, speaking of spooky, let's get into it, man. Again. We'll get into baseball here after we talk about the NFL because it's a little transition I'd like to make there with the NFL and what is going on. What what happened this past weekend? Crazy weekend. All right. But before that, we get into the college football slate. As you know, we go from top to bottom as 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 far as rankings go, go over the scores, talk about the storylines of the week. Number one storyline or number one game and number one team. Number one, Georgia, the old board uh, Bulldogs, seven and zero for Georgia, four and zero in the SEC. They beat Vanderbilt, thirty-seven to twenty. Thirty-seven and twenty. It's a pretty respectable victory. Uh, Vanderbilt's obviously not good, uh, but Georgia thirty-seven to twenty. That that's fine. Whatever, right? Georgia's just Georgia's got a good defense. They're gonna kind of float through the year. Carson Beck is pretty again, average, I guess. Georgia's fine. They're good. They're the number one team. Um, I think if you could interchange Georgia and Michigan, you 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 could if you wanted to. Ohio State is is pretty good too. Uh, but these teams, you know, Penn State, like they could easily be number one. Um, we'll get into it. But number one, Georgia beats Vanderbilt. Number two, Michigan beats Indiana, 52 to 7. Number three, Ohio State beats Purdue, 41 to 7. Number four, Florida State beats Syracuse, 41 to 3. Number five, team. I don't know who that is. Let me see. Oh, Oklahoma? Oh, interesting. So, I guess Oklahoma didn't play after they played Texas. Okay. So, number five, Oklahoma didn't play. Don't have a score for them. Uh, Number six, Penn State played UMass, the University of Massachusetts, 63 to zero. Final score. Don't want to, I don't know. Penn State's good. How good? I don't know. Uh, potentially, potentially game of the week, Washington and Oregon, number seven, Washington, number eight, Oregon, Washington beats Oregon 36 to 33, taking out my personal biases against Bo Nix, specifically former Auburn quarterback. I'm not. I'm not sure how I feel about either one of those teams, either one of those quarterbacks, either one of those situations. Because Washington beats Oregon by three. Top 10 matchup, two good quarterbacks, as a lot of people like to say. Michael Penix has really good numbers, but he hasn't played against anybody. Like, anybody. Um, I, I know that USC is different than Washington and not as good. I think most people would agree. But USC, Washington, and Oregon, to me, all very similar. Sitting in the same sort of pool of of roster construction and talent on the field. 
And that pool or that 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 same type of roster is really talented quarterback, good weapons around him. Not great defense. Also, haven't really played anybody of actual serious big time line of scrimmage significance. Right? And it's a good win for Washington. Washington goes to 6 and 0, 3 and 0 in the Pac-12. They move up in the rankings. But when I watch Michael Penix Jr. just even sling the rock or Bo Nix or Caleb Williams. The only and first thing that comes into my head every time I watch these Pac-12 teams play, it's like, man, those guys would get destroyed by Georgia or Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama. Like, they have good athletes, man, everywhere, but they don't play defense. And they don't play against schools that have good defenses. And then when they do, when the Pac-12 schools play against a team from the middle of the country that's got big guys on the line of scrimmage, that's got to be a little bit more physical of a matchup, they get rolled. And I mean rolled. Now, we're already into the conference schedules. So for Washington State, you know, the games they got left on their schedule as we look through it here, you know, Washington, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know if I keep calling them Washington State or not. Anyways, Washington, the University of Washington Huskies. We're already into conference play. So when you go into it, you've got. Washington is playing Arizona State next week. Easy walkthrough W. Then they play at Stanford. Easy walkthrough W. And then the rest of their games at USC, at home against Utah, at Oregon State. And then Washington State rivalry game to round out the season at the end of November. And it's hard for me because, like I said, I don't know if any of those teams are actually good usc utah or oregon state all of them right now are in the top 25 so number 10 usc gets steamrolled by number 21 notre dame and i got a news flash for anybody who is a college football fan is a football fan and somehow didn't see this game coming number one you don't know ball. Number two, this was the most obvious blowout win for anybody in the history of football. Because guess what? USC isn't a good football team. They give up 40 plus to Colorado. They give up 30 plus to Arizona. Take both of those teams down to the wire. And then they play a real football team with real players and real offensive linemen and real defensive linemen and a real quarterback. And they get hammered, like absolutely embarrassed. And this is why I've had such a hard time giving Caleb Williams as much praise as everybody else has. You know what? The guy is super duper talented. He's got a really good arm. Make super cool sidearm throws and RPOs and artists runs really. I just don't really think he's that good. People act like he's going to be the first overall pick and he's going to transform an NFL team by himself. I just don't see that happening because every time he's played anybody that's like actually kind of tough on defense, it's got physical linebackers and good DBs. Gets after him a little bit on the defensive line. He looks horrible. Every other opponent USC's played against, Caleb Williams has been able to pull off that backyard football, scramble, run around, run circles around people. Harlem Globetrotters, like, that's not real football. 
that's nothing close to the NFL. The closest thing he's played against to an NFL defense is the Notre Dame team he just played against, and he looked miserable. Miserable. USC looked miserable. And a small part of me almost wishes USC would have somehow found a way into the college football playoff, or I don't know, maybe they still do, who knows, and had to play against like Georgia or Alabama or Michigan or Penn State. And I guess that's kind of what happened when they played Notre Dame, the same types of teams, you know, big line of scrimmage, physical team. Because this is the same thing that would happen, or almost maybe worse. 48 to 20 loss to Notre Dame. That might have been 68 to 3 against Penn State or one of those other top five teams. Because, man, USC stinks and they've stunk all year. And I still am not convinced that Caleb Williams is the guy. Nor am I convinced to the rest of the, the Pac 12 quarterbacks, but specifically Caleb Williams. I, I don't I, I don't know. Lincoln Riley's a really good offensive coach and puts and schemes those teams he coaches in a good spots. I don't know if Kaylee Williams is that good. I mean, that might be the hottest take I've dropped on this podcast so far this football season, but I don't know if Caleb Williams is a number one overall pick. I mean, I guess if Baker make it uh was he the number one pick? Am I getting some yeah, I guess so. He was, yeah, because they did the, the Browns took him. I guess if Baker Mayfield was the number one pick, then Caleb Williams should be. And I know it all depends on who's available in the draft class itself and who has that first pick. But it's looking like it's going to be a team that probably is already set up with a quarterback. And even if it's a team that needs a quarterback, Caleb Williams does not strike me as a guy that's going to come in to an NFL team and just flip them around overnight. And that's rare to begin with, but people act like Caleb Williams is Patrick Mahomes 2.0. And he's not even close to Patrick Mahomes. He throws the ball the same way. He acts like Patrick Mahomes. He tries to play like Patrick Mahomes, but he's not anywhere near that caliber. I don't think he's very good. I think he's, really really solid i think he's accurate i think he has a strong arm and he can run a little bit but people are acting like he's literally going to show up to whatever team he gets drafted to and immediately go 11 and 5 in his first year in the nfl he won't do that because he hasn't had to play against anybody good almost his entire college football career. And then when he does play against somebody that is a good physical defensive presence on the other side of the ball, he doesn't look very good. Now the tools are there. They've always been there for Caleb Williams. He's got a monster arm. He's pretty accurate. He's athletic. All of that is absolutely fantastic. But people acting like he is going to come into an NFL team and immediately take him to the promised land. They don't know ball. But luckily, we do. I think Caleb Williams will be a good quarter. He'll be a... He, Caleb Williams is the same quarterback as Justin Fields. And he'll have the same type of production in the NFL, which is pretty good. Pretty good numbers. He can run a little bit. He's got a good arm. I think Caleb Williams has maybe a better passer than Justin Fields. Not quite the runner. But ultimately, the production levels and the wins are probably going to be about the same, especially in the early parts. But people acting like Caleb Williams is the next Patrick Mahomes. They don't know ball because every time Caleb Williams has played anybody decent on defense, just decent Utah Tulane, Notre Dame. He's looked horrible. I mean, he's looked horrible, but then when he plays, uh, the 
Southern Illinois Institute of Technology University. He puts up 550 and eight touchdowns. People are like, oh my God, he's Patrick Mahomes. He's not. He's not. He's pretty good athlete. He's got great tools, but relax on Caleb Williams. Watch the game against Notre Dame. Tell me he's the next Patrick Mahomes. He's not. Number 12, North Carolina plays number 25. Miami beat him 41-31. Miami's a joke. North Carolina's pretty good. Um, Delaney Walker, I think, is his name. Or is that the other? I don't want to mess this up because I don't think that's it. Devontae Walker. Holy cow. What did I say? Delaney Walker? That's another receiver somewhere. Anyways, uh, it's a kid a receiver for UNC that had some eligibility issues and couldn't get on the field, and then they got he got approved, and now he's been back, and all of a sudden he's just monster. He's a monster. Um, number fourteen, Louisville. After they beat Notre Dame, and they're six and zero, plays against Pitt, and they lose. Like what, dude? Just what is going on? Huh? So Louisville, you stink. Number 15, Oregon State, played against number 18, UCLA. Beat them 36-24. Uh, DJ Uyunglele, I, I don't know. Like, is he good? Is he not good? I don't know. Honestly, I think DJ Uyunglele and Caleb Williams are almost the same quarterback. Whoops. Whoops. Number fifth, uh, number 16, Utah played Cal, beat him 34-14. Number 17, Duke played NC State, beat him 24-3. Number 19, Tennessee played Texas A&M, beat him 20-13. We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, number 11, Alabama. Sneaks out a victory at home against Arkansas, 24-21. Uh, back to the Tennessee Texas A&M. So Tennessee plays A&M, beats them 20-13. A&M drops the 4-3, and 2-2 two and two in the SEC. And here's something. Jimbo Fisher is a bad coach. Constantly loses games he shouldn't. Constantly has his guys in the wrong spots. He's massively overpaid. The buyout from Texas A&M is gargantuan. So I don't know if he's going to get fired or not, but he should get fired. Considering the resources he has had in his career, especially at Texas A&M, there is no reason he should be finishing at or around 500 every single year. Even just the recruiting classes, he's been able to pull off. The last couple of years, I think he had one of the last few years, he had the number one recruiting class. So he has talent. He has good players. And he still loses football games. He loses. He loses football games. Always. He's had a handful of signature wins in his career, no doubt. But the bottom line is Jimbo Fisher would be a nobody, an absolute nobody, potentially have already been washed out of college football altogether. Or at this point, he'd probably be a decent coordinator at a low-level D1 if it wasn't for Jameis Winston. A&M's down bad. They're in a terrible spot. Jimbo Fisher's going to be a rich man regardless. And what a shame that is, because he has done nothing to earn that contract. Arizona played number 19, Washington State, and beat the ever-loving piss out of them. 44-6, unranked Washington, plays number 19, Washington State. What the hell am I saying? Num unranked. Unranked. Arizona. Played number 19, Washington State. Unranked Arizona played number 19, Washington State. 
and beat the crap out of them. 44 to 6. Arizona beats Washington State. Number 22, LSU played against Auburn, beat them 48 to 18. Number 23, Kansas played against an unranked Oklahoma State team. Oklahoma State beat Kansas 39-32. Kentucky was at number 24 coming into the week. They played against Missouri, who is unranked, and Missouri beat them 38-21. So super interesting. Interesting week in college football. Now, before we look at the schedule for next week, what we can do is we can look at the AP Top 25. So Georgia stays one, Michigan stays two, Ohio State stays three, Florida State stays four. Washington goes from number seven to number five with a big win over Oregon. Oklahoma gets bumped from five to six. Penn State gets bumped from six to seven. Texas moves up to number eight. Oregon moves down from number eight to number nine. North Carolina goes from number 12 to number 10. Alabama stays at 11. Oregon State moves up to number 12. Ole Miss stays at 13. Utah moves up to number 14. Notre Dame, who has just bounced everywhere in the rankings, jumps all the way up to number 15 from number 21. Duke is at 16. Tennessee is at number 17. USC drops all the way to number 18. They go from number 10 to number 18. I'd be surprised if they were in the top 25 at the end of the season. That's how bad they are. LSU with two losses is up to number 19. Missouri is at number 20. Louisville drops all the way to number 21. Air Force is number 22 because they are undefeated. Number 23 is Tulane. Number 24 is Iowa. And number 25, dropping seven spots, is UCLA. Next week in college football, there are some absolute doozy, doozies of games. Probably the biggest game of the week so far. Uh, 10 a.m. local, uh, 10 a.m. time for me. So that would be noon Eastern. Number seven, Penn State takes on number three, Ohio State. That is a monster game. Monster football game and a much better football game than the other top 10 matchup we had last week. That's going to be a grown man's football game. And I'm really interested to see how it unfolds. Ohio State has the advantage on the spread, and they are the home team. I would imagine Ohio State ends up winning that game, but you never know. Another couple uh, couple other good games. Number 17, Tennessee, is taking on number 11, Alabama. At Alabama this year, top 25 matchup. Should be a good one. Uh, Number 16, Duke, is taking on number four, Florida State. Should be a pretty good game. Number 14, Utah, taking on number 18, USC. USC is favored by six, and that is crazy. Utah is going to kill them. Anyways, uh, those are the only top 25 matchups, but there are four, it looks like, four or five in the entire week of games, and that's pretty cool. Um. As far as other upsets or like other games, uh, I don't know. It, mm, most of these other teams are favored by a jillion points. Um, I mean, Iowa could lose to Minnesota, but they're not gonna. Um, Air Force and Navy, huh? There you go. A little, uh, little, uh, Service Academy there matchup. Um, yeah, should be fun. Should be fun in college football. Uh, moving on to the NFL. NFL Week 6. Thursday night, start off with Chiefs and Broncos. 19-8. to Chiefs beat the Broncos. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, I don't know. Um I think the Chiefs are a good team. Five and one's a good record. I think the Broncos are a bad team. One and five is a bad record. I don't know if the Chiefs are that good, though. They do this every year. It's like they have Mahomes, got Kelsey, they got decent running back, and I don't know. I just I, like the Chiefs just have not impressed me so far this year. They haven't looked great against a lot of eh, teams. I mean, he win in the NFL. That's all that matters, right? It's not about the spread or rankings or whatever. So I get it, but I don't know, man. I think the Chiefs are a good team. They have a great quarterback. They have a great tight end. Their defense has been a lot better this year. But from what I've seen from Kansas City and from Patrick Mahomes, somebody said, okay, give me one team out of the AFC to get to the Super Bowl. I'm not picking the Chiefs. I'm not. You know, I'd probably go with the Dolphins over the Chiefs. I'd probably go with the Bills over the Chiefs. I might go with the Jags over the Chiefs. No, I wouldn't. But you get my point. I, I think the Chiefs are good. It's just like, how good are they? I don't know. You know what, actually? Their defense has been good this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scratch that. I think the Chiefs are good. But their offense needs to play better. That's, I think that's more of an accurate statement. Uh, the Chiefs, yeah, 5-1. and one, They beat Broncos on Thursday night. Um, London game on Sunday morning. The Ravens played the Titans. Beat them 24-16. Uh, I saw some people say, I saw some people feel the same way that I do about these London games in the NFL. Um, enough. Enough games in London, please. Thank you. Or Germany or Mexico or Zimbabwe. Like, okay, okay. Like, used to be cool because it's like, oh, the, oh, we have a game in London this week. Oh, right. Now it's like you're doing other stuff on Sunday in the morning and you're like, oh my God, there's a game on right now. Who's playing in it? Why is it happening? And by the way, like it, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of dumb. Like last week, it was the Bills and Jags. Like that would have been a sweet game to watch on primetime or a sweet game to watch on Sunday afternoon. Instead, it's in London. Uh, why? Why? Why are we like what? I guess it's people rumored that's like, oh, well, they had to do it a few weeks in a row because, you know, I mean, you never know. It's uh, good to have a team over there, you know? <laughs> what? What? No, we're not going to have an a NFL team in London. We're not going to have an NFL team in London. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars playing back-to-back -back weeks in London? What? what the hell is going on? Play football in the, in the United States. We don't need... What, why? What? I get it. It's, it should be a niche thing. It should be like one, maybe two games a year in London. Maybe. How about three in a row? And then Germany. Like, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. 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 Um... Moving on to the rest of the games here. So, Commanders played the Falcons, beat them 24 to 16. Vikings played the Bears, beat them 19 to 13. Seahawks played the Bengals. Bengals get the win 17 to 13. Browns played the 49ers, beat them 19 to 17. Dolphins beat the Panthers 42 to 21. Jags beat the Colts 37 to 20. Texans beat the Saints 20 to 13. Raiders beat the Pats 21 to 17. The Rams beat the Cardinals in LA 26 to 9. 
Jets beat the Eagles 20 to 14. The Lions beat the Bucks 20 to 6. And Sunday night football, the Bills beat the Giants 14 to 9. So we'll go through that schedule again and just get a few talking points in here. Um I think I think it was impossible to judge almost anybody in the NFL after the first three, four, five weeks. Now through week six, I think it's a little bit easier to make some pretty accurate assumptions about teams. And also looking at certain teams' records, you know if they're kind of fraudulent records or if it's a stronger record, right? A good example, Commanders and Falcons. They're both three and three. Commanders just beat the Falcons. But the Commanders are two and one on the road this year. I'd rather be where the Commanders are at three and three than where the Falcons are at three and three. Uh, Bengals and Seahawks. Bengals beat the Hawks. They're three and three. Seahawks three and two. I would rather be the Bengals at three and three than the Seahawks at three and two. Uh, Texans and Saints, right? Texans beat the Saints. Oh, but they're both three and three. No, I I would way rather be the Saints than the Texans, even though the Texans just beat the Saints. You've got. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Derek Carr. The Saints are one of those teams where they haven't played to their full potential. The Texans are playing out of their mind right now. Insane that they're even 3-3. Three and three. Uh, Other teams, you know, kind of fraudulent records. Um, three and three for the Rams, three and three for the Jets, three and two for the Bucks. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there's some bad teams in the NFL. There's some good teams in the NFL. A lot of teams hovering around 500. A lot of teams are five and one. Uh, but you got the Eagles losing and you got the 49ers losing. The NFL week six results have thrown the NFL into a wild pit of confusion. Because coming into this week, I thought there was like an actual legitimate chance that the 49ers could not lose a game the entire year. I mean, they had looked unstoppable. Unstoppable. Like they just dominated every game they played. Every game they played, they just dominated everybody and they play the Browns and PJ Walker and they lose. And with the 49ers, you're like, Oh, well, they're really, really good. They're probably going to play the Eagles in the NFC championship. And the Eagles are probably the only team that could challenge the 49ers this year. Eagles are undefeated. Eagles look pretty good. And they lose to the Jets. After week six, the NFL is wide open. You've got the Chiefs, five and one. The 49ers, five and one. The Dolphins, five and one. The Eagles, five and one. Oh, and who's that other team at five and one? It's the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'd like to get this memo out now to the rest of the league and to all football fans. The Detroit Lions are a really, really good football team. They are really good. They have a really good defense and a really good offense. Got some injury stuff with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. I'm not worried. Jared Goff, for some reason, isn't getting talked about this year. He might be on track to win the MVP. That's how good he's been this year. Lions are 5-1. and one. Five and one with wins 
on the road at Kansas City, on the road at Green Bay, and on the road in Tampa. Are they going to win the Super Bowl this year? I don't know. Probably not, right? But maybe. <laughs> Are they even going to get to the Super Bowl? I don't know. Probably not, right? Probably not. But if we're getting the family together, middle of February, Super Bowl party, and it's Chiefs and Lions in the Super Bowl, that would not be the craziest thing of all time. The Lions are good. They're a good team. Jared Goff is good. Dan Campbell is a great head coach. Look out for the Lions this year. That's all I'm saying. Just look out for them. That's all. That's all I'm saying. A um, couple more things I wanted to talk about here. Um, In the span of preseason to the last six weeks to today, the New York Jets, in my eyes, have gone from pretty serious AFC contender with Aaron Rodgers to three plays into his Jets career, season's over. Today, based on all the information I've gathered, and the way I've watched that Jets defense play, um, the Jets might be in the playoffs without Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers might come back this year. Not sure if you guys have seen the footage, but the guy's not even limping anymore. And he tore his Achilles like yesterday. I don't know what kind of procedure he got done or what kind of transfusion was performed on Aaron Rodgers Achilles. Well, that guy's going to play this year. I mean, he might play. And oh, by the way, the Jets have played against so far this year, opposing quarterbacks that include Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts. Most would argue one, two, and three as far as quarterbacks in the NFL. And the Jets defense has made all three of them look really bad, really bad. If we're going into the middle of December or January, right? Week 17, there's two games left. And Jets are, I don't know, seven and eight. And come coming out of the tunnel in full uniform is Aaron Rodgers. Jets are going to make the playoffs at that point. They'll go nine and eight. They'll win both of the games they play. If they get Aaron Rodgers back, look out, right? I mean, and Aaron Rodgers will play with a boot on his ankle so it doesn't get hurt and would still be a dog, a dog. That's all I'm saying, man. NFL has been interesting. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk about here, because it is baseball, right? We got some baseball going. We got the championship series is underway with the uh, Eagles. No, well, Philly team, not the Eagles. Uh, Phillies and Diamondbacks. Game one is this evening. And the Phillies will win in four, maybe five. And then the other series is Rangers and Astros. Rangers took game one last night, interestingly enough. Jordan Montgomery has been really good. Uh, for the Rangers this year.
Rangers also have Nate Valdi. Rangers have Scherzer. They have John Gray. Uh, Rangers might be in the World Series. Yes, we'll see. That's not the point I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about... Uh, this is a tough subject for me to talk about. And it's tough because I am such a diehard, dedicated sports fan. And with that sports fandom, I have come to a disappointing realization. And that realization is, I am so jealous. I am so jealous of Philadelphia sports fans. I'm so jealous. Those fans in Philly are the best in the entire country. And it's not close. It's not close. And what people don't understand about Philadelphia sports fans and sports fandom in general is that people are like, how can you root for some random group of guys? How can you get so emotional over some random group of dudes that don't know who you are? The team in your city doing well is so much more than just your own personal like, oh, I like the Eagles. Eagles should be good. No, it, sports and the sense of community, it brings people together. And then when the team's doing well, it, it boosts morale for people that you're interacting with on a daily basis in your own town or your own area. Not to mention, these guys are compensated very fairly for the work that they do as athletes. So the expectation from these guys should be to perform at a decently high level and to hold them accountable. And the Philadelphia Phillies fans do it better than anybody else. Once again, not close. The Trey Turner situation handled to perfection. The Eagles, the Jalen Hurts situation has been absolutely perfect for Philadelphia. Bryce Harper on the Phillies this year? Are you out of your mind? Have you seen the video, the footage of the post-game celebrations after the Phillies have gone on to the World Series or most recently after they beat the Braves at that giant sports bar. Like, what is that dude? That's insane. I am so jealous of that because Phillies fans are diehard. They hold their guys accountable. They're educated. They know about the sports and the games going on. And then the players they root for, don't shy away from that. They don't run away from it. They don't fold under all that pressure. They elevate their game and they embrace the Philadelphia mindset and mentality. It, the, the Philadelphia sports fans leading, leading their two best teams in the city are Bryce Harper and Jalen Hurts. Two guys who have embraced that Philadelphia mindset down to a T. And all those guys care about is winning, winning. Why do you think James Harden in Philadelphia didn't work? Because Philly fans wa watched him play, watched his attitude, watched his effort, listened to the quotes, and were like, oh, uh, that's not going to work here, James. Lazy, selfish, Ball dominant basketball without production and wins, that ain't gonna work. Adios, James. So, when I say I'm jealous of Phillies fans, it's because of all those other reasons, but it's also just because of what they got going on right now. Oh my God, the Eagles lost? The Eagles lost? The Eagles lost a football game. They're five and one. Oh, I couldn't even imagine seriously what the local sports radio stations sound like with the callers coming in. What are we doing? How does this happen? They're literally five and one. And I guarantee you the fan base is melting down in, in a good way, but in, in an educated way, just like they hold those guys to a different standard and they melt, you know, they, they, 
they're all losing their minds and oh my god the eagles lost and oh my god oh uh tomorrow the phillies are playing in the national league championship series like how lucky are they holy cow man so jealous great fans great environment and every single home sporting event they have their teams are always relevant they're always in the postseason mix and if they aren't they either have a plan to get there as soon as possible or if they're just melting down that fan base will let them know and i love it and i'm so jealous i'm not a philadelphia sports fan people can sit back and talk about how philly fans are are mean or whatever or this and that you can look at it that way or you can look at it and say those guys are really passionate they care a lot and they hold their guys accountable that's how i see it and guess what that leads to teams winning high standards and that's exactly what they have in philly so you can critique and criticize those guys and those fans all you want but their teams are good their players are awesome they're great human beings and i'm jealous of it i'm jealous of it so that's it guys episode 67 we know ball podcast hopefully you guys enjoyed it um covered most of it covered the college football landscape covered the nfl Covered a little ball, baseball. Like I said, with baseball, we got the NLCS starting tonight. Phillies and um, Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks took down the Dodgers. Love that. Um, and then, yeah, ALCS is already underway with Rangers and Astros. So either way, guys, hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, episode 67 of the We Know Ball podcast. My name is Ryan at Ryan Knows Ball on Twitter. Follow us on social media at We Know Ball Sports, TikTok, and Instagram. Um, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, really appreciate it, guys. Um, like I said, we put our clips up a lot. We give out uh, sports gambling picks all the time. Starting to consider some Patreon uh, pick stuff as well. So if you're interested in sports betting, anything like that, uh, we give out our plays of the day three times a week. Um, you know hoping to give that out so either way hopefully you guys enjoyed episode 67 of the we know ball podcast uh and we'll catch you guys soon peace Yeah.